Welcome back to Coaches Exploring Clarity. This week, we're going to be looking at Chapter 19, Do Nothing, and we have another special guest, Morag Shaw. Morag's a fellow student of Jamie Smart's, and we're happy to have her here with us today. So welcome, Morag. And we'll just uh, start off like we usually do with the quote and then jump right into the chapter. So bear with me. Uh, the master doesn't try to be powerful. Thus, he is truly powerful. The ordinary man keeps reaching for power. Thus, he never has enough. The master does nothing, yet he leaves nothing undone. The ordinary man is always doing things, yet many more are left undone. Lao Chi philosopher. When I uh, I first read the the title of this chapter, I thought, well, this this will be a great one for me because. I've been, been quite busy lately, and it, it'll be nice to do nothing for a little while. <laughs> well, for me, when you put the invite out to come and join at various conversations, um, I did actually specially select this chapter, because when I flipped through the chapter headings that were remaining that you still had to do, I um, this was the one that jumped out at me to be the one that I felt most relevant for me currently and maybe throughout my my whole life. Um, yeah, it does feel like a bit of a, an ongoing story of the constantly wanting to or feeling like I should be doing things to then go to the other extreme of literally doing nothing for a while and then not being satisfied with that. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, I was on... Um... A masterclass, a, a Jamie Smart thing just before here. And uh, I was just thinking that the sense of of what the sense of doing nothing really is. And there was something that, that Jamie actually said about um, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to myself back in the picture because again it, once again it was a feeling that I got rather than the words um something about how insight itself can indeed be nothing it's just something there that likes because sometimes we hear the word like insight and they say oh well I need one of those so if we go and go looking for an insight but indeed, there's something about an insight that has a kind of nothing aspect to it. And the other side I'm, I'm seeing of like a, a, an insight with nothing can be extraordinarily powerful, but how sometimes a nothing nothing can be extraordinarily terrifying if, if you don't know what nothing is about. For me, the idea of doing nothing implies that nothing will happen and that's kind of frightening mm -hmm. let's say until you take the concept of doing nothing further what What's what struck me and it's just striking me again, listen to you guys, is when I um I loved reading this whole thing again, this whole paragraph again this morning. I was actually so excited to read it again. And what struck me was when it was kind of an if actually it was rather an if only, if only I could realize faster <laughs> when it's useful for me to do nothing, literally to do nothing. For example, um, when something comes at me that I haven't been expecting and I get so up in my head that I have to do stuff, I better do something about this. And I literally don't know what to do because I'm all up in my head. So I run around in directions to do something that inevitably ends up in nothing. Whereas if I could see faster like literally doing nothing and letting all that thinking fall away whatever I am supposed to do looks useful to do occurs to me to do will appear but whilst I'm in the 
I have to fix it. I have to, I have to deal with it. I have to, I have to, I have to. It's, it's just a hopeless scenario. And so when I just, even just reading the first few lines, I was like, it feels like, um, it's almost like a load off that that's available. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I can give that a go. And, and it works. The whole idea of doing nothing, it, it reminds me of the uh, something from William Whitecloud, one of his, I can't remember its rules or laws of, you know, laws of natural success, whatever it is, um, where he talks about there's never anything to do but always action to be taken, or never anything to be done, but always always action to to take, and it feels so true to me. And I have a, an example of like where this really showed up for me was how how I first got into coaching, and I didn't know I was changing career. I knew I was changing career, but I didn't know what it was I wanted to do. And almost randomly, in the, a conversation with a friend talking about some other stuff the subject of coaching came up and my friend made a comment of, uh, do you know something more like you'd make a very good coach? And I had an instant connection with that. So not an intellectual, oh, do you think that's right? And trying to sort of figure it out. I just knew in that moment that it was the right thing for me to do. And what was interesting about that is from having been in a state of inaction, not doing anything, confusion, not knowing which way to turn, as soon as that was clear to me I naturally started to take action mm. without even feeling like any effort or any forcing I you know was away and checking you know looking up you know connecting with an old an old friend connection that I knew ran coaching courses and you know it all happened and within a matter of a few weeks of that I was signed up to do a coaching qualification and I also made a decision to, you know, an opportunity came up to go back to doing some contract engineering work in the meantime, which previously I dismissed going, I can't, I can't do that. I don't want to go back to doing my old stuff. But it suddenly felt like the right thing to do, given my decision to study coaching. And I can, I can probably think of more examples, but it's funny when you sort of think about those examples of where the action follows naturally and effortlessly from that point of, insight or you know, wisdom instead of feeling like you're trying to force it and make it happen go ahead Greg Sorry. Go ahead. I'm just going to just tag on from, from Morag because it's actually speaking to what, what Jamie says you know straight after still on the first page 201 the question he says you know what's the right direction and how do you know when you're pointed in that direction? Well, Morag's kind of answered that, you know, really, yeah, cool. Yeah, and, and right above that, the, I highlighted, th this was weird to me how Jamie started the chapter with his usual quote, and then right after it was another quote. <laughs> and this one was by Sid Banks, which is point yourself in the right direction and do nothing. And while Morag was telling her story there, I had this vivid image of kind of being in a stream and if you just let yourself go and, and let the current of the stream carry you, it's effortless yet the opposite, the, 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 and that's the doing nothing. Like you're, you're, you're traveling great distances, but with minimal effort versus when you're fighting the current and you're going against it or trying to stay in one place. And, um, you know, to me, a lot of my doing something is fighting the, the current not flowing with wisdom and so on. So anyway, yeah, that, that was interesting how that image just kind of popped into my head. Mm. That's that a beautiful analogy. Which I suppose might be a good metaphor for this distinction on 202, which is the misguided action versus the inspired mm. action. For me, I mean, the, the way the do nothing plays out quite often is knowing that um, when I'm stuck at my desk trying to do something and I'm not in the flow, like I just described, the being in that current, 
I just stop doing stuff and I go for a walk or I go lie down or I go to one of my go-to insight friendly <laughs> places and just try to settle, like you know, let the uh, let my snow globe settle down and see what what occurs to me to do next. Sometimes what to do next is just take a longer nap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's something about the concept that we seem to sort of grown up with the idea that we always have to do something. Mm -hmm. Even if that something is rest, we're still like doing the rest rather than being the rest, if you like, I guess. But it, it, it's so hardwired you know, immediately the, the, as we wake up in the morning, it's like, well, what am I going to do now? And it's always, the verb is always an active verb. Do it, you know, do, 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 do. And, and it's an interesting, if you, if you like, even a, even grammatically, if you like, or linguistically, like how the hell do you do, which is an active verb? Nothing, which is kind of weird. <laughs> oh. I'm just thinking of so many examples of conversations with in in conversations with people lately and thinking about this distinction where they've clearly been in the place of misguided action or inspired action. And and it's back to you earlier in saying it's a feeling you can so feel when people are in misguided action. You you can it's 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 visceral. It's and uh, um, you experienced this from me last week, Elaine. <laughs> totally. Um, and then when the inspired action comes, it's like there's nothing going on. So it goes from a lot of chatter to not much going on. Which it, 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 yeah, sometimes it seems incredible, and sometimes it just seems it just seems like it is. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Although I do find, and I think the chapter sort of touches on this later, um, with this idea that you know we can go from that place of inspired action and things are flowing, and sometimes it then suddenly stops feeling so natural. You know, and then the resistance and the doubts and everything else comes in, and it's. I know I've been caught out with that a number of times of going, "Oh, this doesn't feel." effortless this doesn't feel right anymore it must be the wrong thing and actually maybe it's the right thing still but there's just all of the insecure thinking the contaminated thinking coming in and making it feel mm. awkward and you know feel the friction and and, and that in there um so yes, I think it's the, the inspired action. It, it, it occurs to me while I was running this morning. I was thinking, I was thinking about the chapters I was running this morning, and the fact that inspiration is very much just in in the moment. It then doesn't. As soon as we've had that inspiration and gone to take the action, it's it's no longer inspiration. We have to then ask ourselves again: Is this is this fresh inspiration? Is this still the right thing? Is this? And then act on that feeling of when we let our thinking settle down to feel the feeling beneath all the thinking. Oh, mm. yeah. Go, Elaine. Oh, <laughs> go. Well, I, yeah, the feeling, because I guess in the same way that we, you know, normally, if you like, strive to get rid of horrible feelings but the truth is that the feeling will pass anyway but that's also true of the good feeling so that good feeling that maybe brought the inspired action is going to pass anyway in the same way and just as Morag said you know we need to bring it back again we need to bring it back again because it's going to pass in the same way just as the bad feelings do whether we like it or not. And once the feeling's gone, so too the action, the inspire, oh, am I doing this? Or what am I doing this for? I didn't really want to do that. Did I want to do this? I don't know what I'm doing anymore. 
instead of going back to to that feeling. Ooh, I like that more. Ag. Me too. I love that. Yeah, I love the way you describe that there as well. Things that it it does, yeah. And it's so true. I mean, that's way uh, that the inspiration quite often wears off when we've had a brilliant idea and we're working towards something. It's, it can still be a good idea, but it's kind of lost that first hit of feeling. It doesn't mean it's the the wrong thing, the wrong direction. And so many times again, it brings me right back to awareness every time that the perhaps the missing key to every single thing is at any moment in time of where aware, and in this case, it's to be aware that the only thing you can ever feel are thoughts in the moment, the only thing you can ever experience are your thoughts in the moment. And once we become aware of that, it, it, I think I mentioned this in somewhere somewhere else. It's the being aware that you are aware and that it's there that you've got it nailed. Being aware of whatever awareness is that you have. You need to be aware of it every single time. Yeah, I think that ties in. I highlighted this sentence about looking to the source rather than the contents of your experience. Yeah, yeah. And that, that kind of ties in with that I think yeah I I uh when I got to page 204 the stay in the game part it felt like a big yeah but you know do nothing yeah but <laughs> you got to stay in the game um I've had this kind of personal philosophy for a long time that stemmed from my career of something is better than nothing like I I, I am I've always been hard-pressed to to come up with a scenario where nothing was better than something. And then here comes this chapter of do nothing. So I was like questioning that at the beginning of the chapter, like, oh shit, maybe my philosophy of something is better than nothing. Maybe now is time to throw that out. And then I get to stay in the game. I'm like, oh, this is where the do something, you know, something is better than nothing kind of comes back. Um, and just the whole notion in this part about um staying in the game is so important because that's when the inspiration will show up while you're in in the game like you need to be in the game um to have an opportunity at that inspiration and i, I know for myself like probably couldn't count this high how many days i went into my job um, just staying in the game like i when i woke up i didn't want to go to work when i was in the car on the way i didn't want to go and then i got to my desk and started hammering through emails or whatever and then something would come along that gave me that spark of inspiration and you know for the most part i'd end up having a good day at work like productive and inspired and um solving a problem that previously looked unsolvable whatever it was um but there's something about and i think that for me anyway transitioning from a job or a career where you just, you know, it's kind of uh, um, not negotiable that you have to show up for work every day and not running my own business. Like it's, I can not show up anytime I want. Like who's going to, I'm at home by myself. <laughs> no one's going to uh, even know, but um, I stay in the game and I show up every day and uh, try to inch my business forward. So what came to mind when you were saying that, Greg, was the idea of staying in the game, that it's how we stay in the game and who we are, who we're being and how we're being whilst we stay in the game. And there's that way. I mean, I, I stayed in the game of my previous career for a lot longer than I should have done. Mm. But that's because I felt like I was having to do stuff. So I was very much doing the opposite of doing nothing, of feeling like I had to keep doing what I was doing, even though it wasn't working, somehow expecting to get a different result from it. And if I did it enough and did it long enough and did it hard enough, suddenly something miraculously was going to change, which clearly it doesn't. Well, it yeah. did when I uh, ended up uh, in burnout and then got made redundant. So something did eventually change. 
But I wonder, I do wonder as to how much if I could have stayed in the game in my previous career, but with this understanding, whether either things would have gone very differently or whether I'd have reached a clear decision point and been able to just go, do you know something? This isn't right for me. I'm out here. And it just would have been a lot clearer instead of almost like staying in the game because I was being forced to stay on the pitch instead of staying in the game because I was enjoying playing it. Mm. And, I, and just again, as, as both of you are talking, I'm just kind of wondering, it depends, it doesn't depend, it depends what you kind of, it's the game in the game. If we, if we say stay in the game of life, well, the thing is, you actually, until that day, God bless all of us, we are always and anyway in the game of life. And within that, there'll be the game of being a parent, the game of being a football player, the game of playing hockey, the game of doing your job, the game of doing all the rest. But I guess the idea is to move from the game that you're playing and see where the game of life will always play it for you anyway. I, I, I guess a little bit like you know how you read that the game what's the game mm. Elaine you said that it just took me straight back to Greg's being in the stream the flow mm, yeah. yeah yeah I don't know if you guys have ever had, when, when we used to do our conference calls at work would be in a, a meeting room and uh You'd have your laptop, and then everyone was joining the, the Zoom call, and it would get like a screen within a screen within a screen, it's like doo -doo 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 -doo, like this multiplier effect <laughs> because something was going wonky with the the conference call technology. Yeah. But as Morag was talking in the lane, it was like there's so many layers of the game, right? Like there's the game of life, and then you chunk it down to the the game of your job, and then within the, your job, there could be the game with your boss, and the game with your coworkers, and the game with your subordinates, and the game with your clients, and there's like many games at foot at any given time like the it's such a a general term stay in the game it's like okay well which one <laughs> yeah and yeah. i think that's to to the your point elaine the game of life is is the one yeah yeah and, and there's actually no staying all and you know until you've gone mm. you're in it anyway mm. yeah there's nowhere else to yeah, we might as well be flowing down that stream instead of fighting against it. Exactly, which is what we do. Probably, you know, you making leverage of all the other games we play. Yeah. Seeing how we can, like, beat the game of life. I guess we can't. It just made me think of how what we used to go to the Great Wolf Lodge, which is a water park, and uh, the lazy river used to drive me crazy because I couldn't. I couldn't enjoy it. It was too lazy. <laughs> like I wanted more to be more action or something. And you wanted laugh. rapids. Yeah. I just laugh at myself now, like how, <laughs> you know, not going with the flow is like, I couldn't even enjoy So, so in my head about my life, I couldn't even enjoy the lazy river. Yeah. yeah. You and I remember. Go ahead, Morag. I was going to say Greg wants the kamikaze slide. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's from a water park we went to a couple of years ago. There was we, our, my family kind of split into Team Lazy River and Team Kamikaze. Mm. My <laughs> husband and one of my boys they they would go off and enjoy the lazy river, and myself and my my older one we were off and enjoying the you know, the kamikaze slides, which were the almost vertical drop type thing, mm. sort of down as fast as you could go. Yeah, they drank too much. Yeah, and I'm laughing because I, uh, I've i done all of those kamikaze as well. And I remember I remember my, my husband at the time said, oh, you know, great, you did that. Do you want to do it again? No. Um, <laughs> but I was, it wasn't the lazy river. It was like an in-between one, and you get on this big, like, inner tyre, mm. and you shoot off the top of the slide, and it seems to go on forever. And then there's, like, these pools where people sort of gather. And, it's, and it was just, I remember I have never laughed so much in my whole life and I was just as we were trying to work out what was so funny and it was actually very interesting because 
what made me laugh was that I had no control over what I was doing, none whatsoever. And yet, in that game, it's perhaps the only game I've played where having no control whatsoever at all could make me laugh so much because it looks to me in my game of life that most of the time, if I have no control, it's it's very worrying and anxious sort of building and that kind of thing. And like, how interesting is that? You know, I just, it was just one huge game. It was hilarious. It was like tons of people who I'd never met before sort of conglomerated in this sort of pool bit until we kind of got ourselves to go, you know, somehow to get through it and get down the next bit of the slide. And then you sort of shoot off there and like this thing would be spinning and you'd be going down backwards or sideways. And, oh God, it was just hilarious, but like no control whatsoever at all. And again, that connects to what Jamie was talking about today. It's like you just go off into the unknown. And isn't that wonderful? Mm. And see what happens later on. And I made connection with people, met people. And just this sort of universal laughter going on with people who I'd never met before in my life of different nationalities and didn't even speak the same language. But that one language of laughter, for sure as hell, was really connecting in a situation of no control. Weird. It's a great metaphor. It makes me think about how uh, our, our perception of control in our lives is such an illusion. Yeah. Even oh, what? Even to take that a step further and say how the need, how our perception of a need for control is such an illusion. I mean, that's that in and of itself is. When I was listening to you there, Elaine, and your joy of remembering that. Mm -hmm was that clearly there was no space in that time where any contaminated thinking could get in. It just wasn't possible. There, yeah. It just wasn't there. Yeah. And that's freedom. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that takes me, you know, to the page 205 where at the top, you know, sometimes the right mm. thing to do is to take, sometimes the right thing to do is stop and take a rest. Sometimes the right thing to do is wait for further guidance. In the meantime, stay in the game. the game. There, that was the only choice I had. Uh -huh. and, and perhaps again, the game, the game of life, is actually the... If, if every time we're looking for an answer or looking to what to do, it's perhaps the only place to look. Which would kind of... It brings me to thinking of, of like... You know, we tend to look for solutions, but the Einstein quote, you know, we can't, what, what is it? We can't, um, I can't even remember it. The quote is there. The, um, we can't solve a problem with the same thinking that created it. Mm -hmm. Sort of comes back to there. So again, you know, don't look for the, the solution in your job. Don't look for the solution in your family. Don't look for the solution in the argument. Look at the solution in the game of life. Because that's where you'll find it. Which will be, you know, creative and inspiring again. That that contrast between the need to control and the sheer enjoyment of there being in a situation where there is no, nothing you can do to control it, which made it okay to not be in control. Which then made it fun. Well, maybe that, maybe it is, maybe it's not what made it fun, but it, there it was, right. it was fun. And it strikes me that that need to control is what's always behind our wants and our feeling of our need to keep taking continuous action, you know, to do something, 
because I've got to do something to stay in control and make life go the way I want it to go. Which then, one of the other bits I'd sort of put a, a mark beside was further down page 205, the the statement of people always do what makes sense to them based on their mm. embodied understanding of reality, um, aka the level of consciousness. Every action a person takes is consistent with their understanding of how life works, even if they can't explain why that's so. And just now I just see how true that is, that if we believe that we are in control of life that we have I always forget that word for a um, agent you know if we have fully full agency in it then we will go into the field that we need to keep doing something even if it's coming you know, there's no inspiration coming through at that point makes sense to me though mm. yeah All the examples that come up. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Elaine. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sure. No, no. All the examples that come up after that. Um, I, I, they're they're once again grounding because when we ourselves, <laughs> even to ourselves, are doing things that don't seem to make sense, or when we see those around us, or it doesn't really matter who it is, somebody. That we think is about bonkers on TV or we've read about in the newspaper, then knowing that that is what they how they are operating, you know, it it, it removes um, it removes any judgment. We might not agree. We might think it's a bit silly. But we can think whatever we like. But when it, when you come all the way back to that and you go, well, they wouldn't be doing it if it didn't make sense to them. Mm -hmm. And and there's really nothing else to to put on it, I suppose. Yeah, just to add to that, Lynn, it, it kind of just as well. It actually is like that. In like in, in kind of day to day living kind of thing. Because it would be pretty crazy if people like did all of that and it really didn't make sense to them mm. because they'd probably mm. end up in a madhouse. I think, oh, I'll just go to work. I hate it. But but of course, there's that little little something, that little nudge, because some people do go to work and hate it. But there's the nudge, and how often we just try to keep that nudge away. Oh, you know, well, I, you know, it makes sense to me to do this because I've got to keep the family going, and I've got to get pay the bills, and I've got to go to work, and uh, but I'm hating it. I'm hating it. And there's the nudge, and there's the nudge, and that's the bit we put away. But also, if that suddenly made sense to us it could indeed be i'm i'm kind of seeing it it could be oh oh my goodness now what am i gonna do <laughs> like yeah so just as well it makes sense you know to a lot mm. of us to be doing the things that everybody else kind of sees what people are doing and think you know well why do you keep drinking why do you keep smoking why do you keep working an 80 hour work week why do you keep doing that it's not working but like it doesn't make sense then it's sort of a, a tipping point i could see a tipping point of going absolutely crazy it doesn't make sense mm. well of course it doesn't until it doesn't yeah this morning i was um i met with someone who i have only ever seen in passing and say hello i actually know her son through a different area and we had a coffee um for the first time and she shared with me her story that made sense to her for, I don't know how many years, 34 years or something. And it wasn't a pretty story. And it made sense to her until it didn't. Um, she said there were elements along the way that didn't make sense, but in its entirety, for a period of time, it, it felt, looked like the right thing to do until one day it was like, now it's not the right thing to do. 
and and there was a major shift and and that's it it's yeah you're you're she was doing what made sense and we all do until it doesn't This past weekend on our course that we were on, one of the, or I guess a couple of the exercises we did, the theme of them was taking your own medicine, um, right? And so when I read this, like people are always doing what makes sense to them. The taking your own medicine thing is, I am always doing what makes sense to me. Like the, I've started thinking about these things rather than outwardly, like about my clients or my family or other people I'm interacting with and thinking about it you know, in my own terms, in my own life, you know, the things that, um, that I'd like to change or work on or whatever that, oh, I'm, you know, there's truth to this, like in some way, shape or form, the way I am is making sense to me. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing it. And it's kind of, um, I don't know. It, it just, it, Jamie uses the phrase WD 40, you know, it, it feels like, I've just put a little WD-40 on that spot <laughs> and it's now starting to loosen, loosen up a little bit. Um, and this is the notion of like, it makes sense until it doesn't. I've seen this with my clients too. Like it, it, it uh, it's almost like pulling out a thread, right? Like it, it doesn't take a lot to change what makes sense, right? It, it can be um, something very small, and it just starts unraveling that whole world for them that made sense up until that I tugged on that that thread or or pointed them them to that thread and they tugged on it themselves. Yeah. Absolutely with you on that one, Greg. Absolutely. Because that's that's something I've been playing with myself recently as well, is when when I've either been doing stuff or or not being stuck doing stuff that I think I want to or should be doing and whenever I start to get a bit sort of frustrated or annoyed with myself for why why am I doing these things or not doing these things or being this way is that that oh that, that, that idea comes back to me I go well if I believe this to be true which I do then what must what must I believe to be doing what I'm doing mm-hmm. Or not doing what I'm doing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I found it really quite helpful to, in terms of, I guess it's allowed me to you know, be kinder to myself because it's just like, okay, that's that's just how it is at the moment, which then lets things settle, which then makes it more likely for that little edge of that thread that you described to appear to allow it to get pulled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that being yeah. a little kinder and gentler with ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, Lynn and I know something about that, don't we, Lynn? Mm-hmm. We every conversation that we have. <laughs> I'd like to say we're getting better, but. <laughs> I just, um, Greg, you might want to cut this bit out, but while it's in my mind, I'll say it. Just interesting, you know, talking of that thing, I'm just remembering how Jamie, which is going to be useful for me, I've just seen something that Jamie does for me as a coach. Um, When something comes up with a client, um, I'm kind of acting now, count the times. What Jamie often does, as soon as they come up with something and they say like, look, you know, this is it and this is how it is and, and, and it, you know, I've got this 80-hour work week and I'm there. And Jamie will take off his glasses and go, well, that kind of makes sense to me. Mm. And I just imagined him saying that, you know, as we were talking about, you know, what things make sense to people sort of thing. And I just realised that very fact that Jamie does that, it puts sort of him right with that person. And in that moment, when you kind of hear those words from a Jamie-type person, and he says, 
yeah, well, that kind of makes sense. So I was just imagining that he should say that to me mm. or something. But like, because I'm really convinced that that is the way things ought to be. And if I've got anybody in front of me that's sort of saying, you know, and yet I, I'll bring it as a problem. You know, I've got this 80-hour work week and I can't cope anymore. And like, so what will happen? It will be your best friend or whatever. And they'll suddenly say to you, oh, well, you know, you've got to start reducing the hours. <laughs> you, know, you know, and so and so. Don't be stressed. Like, yeah. And like, then your mind starts thinking, well, whatever it starts thinking, mine would be like, she's not listening to me. She's doing this, doing that. Or like, are you joking, mate? You know, and I've gone right back into the defensive. But just those very words that Jamie so often says, well, that makes sense to me. And then he'll say something else. But in that moment, he's got right on that raft with you. And that's when, like, you don't need to defend yourself. You don't even need to paddle the raft anymore. That's that. Ah. When and I'm kind of thinking that if I can help clients as well in that way, just in that split second, when you become willing to step down from your own ego. Mm. And it, I've just seen that there. And that's mm. when it happens with Jamie. Just seen mm. that. So you can cut that bit out, Greg. Put that in there. Oh, yeah. Wow. Thank you. That that yeah. is wow. That's priceless, Elaine. Because how many have all of us? How many times have we all heard that and seen that? Yeah. So many times. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted the flow of the. No, wrong. No, thank you. That was just one of these little, you know, when we were the, the, in the water slide, right? That was one of these little ponds. We just we just gone round in one of those little ponds for a little while, mm. and yeah. then we'll just that was nice. minutes, but... <laughs> Greg will keep us back on track. Don't worry. <laughs> he will. He will. Yeah, and he's a master editor, so he'll cut all the necessary bits out, make a nice little thread we were talking about, and. Um, We'll join it all back up. We'll be back in the flow. So, yeah. The last thing I highlighted before we get to the thought experiment was this notion of uh, on two hundred seven. Um, of course, the goggles we're looking through color yeah. perceive our lives. You know, people who worry a lot find no shortage of things to worry about. And I made a note: my daughter. <laughs> People who are uh, easily satisfied tend to be content and enjoy what they have. Uh, that would have been my mom. Uh, people who think there's somewhere to get uh, to get to and that there is better than here don't tend to spend much time enjoying the present moment. Uh, and that that would be me for most of my life. Um, and so on. There, there's a you know I, I can see myself in in each of these statements. Um, and it's just very curious, the whole idea of, um, you know, it's got nothing to do with the circumstances or the, it's just the goggles that you've got on the way you're seeing the world. And again, to me, it goes back to this, you know, being a little kinder and gentler with ourselves, not judging kind of to Elaine with your you just described that the oh yeah that makes that makes sense it's just that total drop of any judgment it's the 100 acceptance of oh yeah if I if I was in your circumstance if I was wearing your goggles if I was living in your world I'd be doing the exact same thing yeah I'd be feeling like that and it's it's a beautiful place to start out mm. from you know, and you can only start from there, from where you're at. Mm. Well, that makes sense. Well, let's jump to the thought experiment at the end of the chapter. Mm. So I'll just read it out, and we can kind of go around the room and chime in. So the thought experiment, how would your life be different moving forward if you were willing to show up and stay in the game 
regardless of any contaminated thinking you may have. I have so much to say about that. We've only got six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else go. <laughs> Come back to me. I'd love to hear yours, Lynn. Mm. Well, um, I have now lived in my location where I live now for actually in this town for seven years in the area for a lot longer. Um, on the Mediterranean, by the sea, beautiful place. Let's just say for some time, I I don't even know, if, what do they call the goggles? Oh, they don't say what kind of goggles. Um, the goggles were almost not see-through that I was wearing for a while. And what it caused me to do was not be, whereas I was engaging with people, so doing things with people and did that, I really was not in the game. I was showing up, but I wasn't in the game. So what was happening was those people weren't getting me. They were getting me with my coat of arm, my armor and whatever I was wearing. It's so interesting when you take the goggles off, actually, um, and let that armor fall away, what happens and what has happened in, a, in, in even a short space of time that's been building, but the the connection with people has been astounding. It, it's, it's literally been astounding. Even, for example, this woman this morning, um, I happened to bump into her the other day. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, nice to see you. How's your son? Oh, he's back. Oh, I'd love to get a coffee with him. And she's like, oh, that'd be nice for him to talk to someone else. He's not in a good space. And that was me coming from a place of, I like this young person. I'd like to see him. In, in the past, with my armor, since I, didn't, I don't know the woman, I might have been buds in, morning, ch -ch -ch, head down, you know, just keep going. But I'm having a moment, actually. Um, the notion of sharing myself without worrying with nothing on it. There you go. Really, truly with nothing on it. With no worries about people think this or people think that or something might happen or something might not. With just literally nothing on it has been... I don't even know why I'm amazed by it, but I'm kind of amazed by it. I'm like, wow. Um, yeah, it's it's so, it's just so interesting when we show up. And it's this notion of what, you know, what we were saying earlier about this game of life. We can't not be in it. I mean, we kind of can't not be. We are until we're not, you know, until there's a cutoff point. Um so what the hell are we doing if we're not, what's the point? <laughs> but whilst I was doing all the other stuff, it made sense. Mm. It totally made sense to me to shield myself and protect myself. And it totally made sense to put a face on because that's what I thought I should be doing. People need to hear something or they need to see something. And, and then all of a sudden it just doesn't make sense. That's my share. Mm. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Very little I can add to that, except to say my life already is different because I'm willing now to show up and stay in the game regardless of any contaminating thinking. And like, the interesting thing is, nothing happened in, in the good sense. Like it wasn't anywhere near as bad as I thought it might be if I 
attempted to show up and stay in the game. Like, literally nothing happened. But everything was different, of course. Mm. Yeah. When I read that thought experiment before, you know, like in preparation for coming on this call, it answered something for me because, as you guys know, I was talking about the, my, the idea of everyday adventures you know, over the weekend and not really put it out there yet because I was still unsure about what it meant. And I read the thought experiment and went, that's what I mean by everyday adventures. It's exactly that of just um, when something comes up that I, when I get that draw idea of, oh, I'd like to do that or... Um, oh, why don't I, you know, as someone's name pops to mind that I'd like to call or message, my old way of being would be to talk myself out of it. Mm. But if I follow that thought experiment and make, you know, the everyday adventures for me would be to go with the initial thought. If someone someone pops into my head that I'd like to get in touch with, to just do it, to, to show up and stay in the game. And yeah, to sort of practice, to practice being with the contaminated thinking and just ignoring it and knowing it will go away, knowing that it doesn't mean anything. So so thank you for this and actually taking me to actually consider that thought experiment because it's answered a very important question for me. Awesome. Yeah, for me, I, I'm just, I'm stuck in this image of flowing down the, the current and just clocking, realizing like these moments when I'm I'm hanging on to a branch or something and just going like, I can just let go and get back into flow. And then inevitably I'll grab another branch and won't realize it for a period of time. And then, but when I do realize it, oh, I can just let go of that one too and just keep, keep going. So that's kind of my takeaway today is just noticing when I'm holding on to the branch and that it's okay to let it go. Well, I know I've said this uh, 18 previous times, but I really had a lot of fun today. This was our favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we always say this is the best one. <laughs> so thanks, it's, like Sid, it's like Sid Banks and his cup of tea. This is all, it's always the best cup of tea ever. Exactly. <laughs> it's the best cup of tea. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right. Thanks so much great. for a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.